Good morning, class. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith Moore. Welcome to Faith School. Faith School is the place where our faith is fed, our spirit grows stronger, and we learn how to be overcomers, which is the will of God. No matter what you may be dealing with uh, right now or you have been dealing with for a while, don't entertain the idea that maybe God wants you to fail or that it's God's will that you be defeated or overcome by this thing. No, never, no. He is the God who always causes us to triumph. He is the God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Many things happen in this life and world that are not the will of God and that don't please Him. And oftentimes we've not cooperated with Him just through ignorance or we've not received through faults of our own, not through His, which is why we have faith school, to learn how to be overcomers, to live and walk by faith. So we have reserved your seat again right here in the front. Get your Bible, get something to take notes with and on, and uh, join us. Come right, in, right into this classroom with us and let the Spirit of God be your teacher for these next few minutes and quicken you. Uh, I just I keep having it in my spirit that uh, specific things that's been bugging you, you're going to learn how to overcome it today. You're going to learn how to, maybe this thing has, has bothered you and dogged you for years. Now that doesn't matter. God's still bigger. He's still bigger than anything that can come against you. Greater is the one who's in you than that thing. And things can click and all at once you can know the will of God. Your faith can rise up. You can say something. Maybe you have prayed, but you didn't pray in faith yet. Maybe you have said some things, but you didn't really say it in faith yet. That can change today. Let's release our faith about it right now in Jesus' name. Father, we join together in prayer for this class and everybody that's joining us from all over, asking for the anointing, asking for utterance, asking for your perfect will to learn your right ways about everything, to show us how to live and how to walk and how to please you and how to overcome. Give everybody ears and eyes and hearts that can receive it. Show us how to put it into practice. We purpose to not be forgetful hearers, but to be doers thereof. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn with me in our textbook today to Hebrews again, Hebrews the 11th chapter and the first verse, Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Young's literal translation says it like this, faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. We've learned previously this week that the word confidence and faith and even boldness uh, have been used interchangeably. The same Greek word has been translated uh, these different ways. 
And we see that if we back up to the 10th chapter of Hebrews in verse 35, he was already talking about this confidence. In previous lessons, we saw he was talking about it in chapter 3 of Hebrews. And in chapter 3, 14, he talked about holding fast that confidence from the beginning. He talks about holding fast the confession without wavering. All these things are uh, talking about the same thing, faith. Verse 35 says, Hebrews 10, 35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. It will pay off if you don't stop believing God, if you hold on to that confidence. You have need of patience, verse 36, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That word, could be, that word patience could be translated persistence. You've got to stay with it. Verse 38, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now this drawing back, what does that mean? We see just a few verses later in Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please him. And here he says, if, if, he's, if you draw back, I won't be pleased, he said. He's talking about the same thing. Confident and then not confident. Stepping forward boldly to receive, to lay hold, and then getting discouraged and drawing back and stepping back and pulling back and shrinking back. Does the Lord want us shrinking back, no. pulling back? No. In fact, that displeases Him. You, uh, you hear people make statements, and it depends on what they mean as to how true they are. But you'll hear people saying, what you need to do is just, just, just quit now, all the stuff you're doing, and just let go and let God. Well, if you mean let go of anxiety and fear and worry and trust God, yeah, that's good. But a lot of times that's not just what people are talking about. They're, they're saying, they're describing drawing back. They're describing backing off, quitting, and leaving it all up to God. Well, that sounds religious, but it's not what the Lord wants. He doesn't want us to turn loose of everything and leave it all up to God. That's not what He told us to do. The Scripture said in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith Lay hold on eternal life. Well, there's a big difference between letting go and laying hold, <laughs> right? There's a giant difference. And many believers have thought, that's what I should do. I can't do anything anyway. It, it's all God and it's none of me. Well, that's just not true. That's not right. If you read the scriptures, you'll find God has given us a part, a responsibility, and we need to do our part. Of course, there's part we can't do that only God can do, but then we limit Him doing that part if we don't do our part. 
And our part is faith. Faith. The confidence from hearing His Word and knowing His will. He said, don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Don't give it up. Don't throw it away. Don't cast it away. Look with me in uh, 2 Peter, please, the third chapter, 2 Peter 3 and 4. We studied on yesterday's class that uh, we were told in Ephesians, we were told in Colossians, we were told in Romans that we are to not be foolish or unwise or conform to this world, but we're to know the will of God. We are to find it, we're to know it, we're to be established in it, settled in it. And you see that thought again in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. The reason I keep talking about this is because there are so many Christians, good people, love the Lord, on their way to heaven, but they have been confused and they have been taught wrong that everything is up to God and that His will is unknowable. No, His will is revealed in the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. He expects us to search the Scriptures and find His will until we are established in it and can stop wavering and wondering and guessing and can know and have confidence, which is another word for faith. In 2 Peter 3 and 4, it said that there would be scoffers and mockers in the last days who would say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And no doubt there are people saying the same thing today. Oh, look, you know, years keep going by and even centuries go by and, and the Lord hadn't come. Uh, well, He's coming. <laughs> he's coming. The thing is, uh, he, he actually uh, reveals that in this passage that uh, with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. So if we think a hundred years is a long time to Him, it's like a couple of hours. So he is, soon is a relative term. <laughs> I'm coming soon. To him means really soon. But to us, a hundred years, long time to him, a couple hours. But his word is true. And when you see it from his perspective, you see it the same way. Um, where is the promise of his coming, they say? But verse 5 says, for this they are they willingly, rather, are ignorant of. Now this is a, a phrase worth noticing. Willingly are ignorant of. That means they could be enlightened, <laughs> but they will to be ignorant. They choose to stay in the dark about it. He went on to say, they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. He's talking about the great flood during Noah's time. Verse 9, skip down to that. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, 
as some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Read that last phrase out loud with me, please, class. Not willing that any should perish. Say it again. Not willing that any should perish. Should we accept the, the Word of God as the revealed will of God? If he says he's not willing that any should perish, should we entertain the idea that it might be his will for some people to perish? Or should we ever pray the prayer, Lord, help them not to perish if it be thy will. But if not, your will be done. Now, people would hear that, and some people make some mad because they say, well, now Jesus prayed that way. Yes, he did, and we're going to talk about that. But he didn't pray that way every prayer. And he didn't pray that way all the time about everything because that would imply that you never know what God's will is. We can accept the scripture that tells us it's not his will that anybody perish. Perish would have to do with being destroyed. And it's not, and when, this is a, a statement, statement that covers all kind of areas. He didn't specify. He just said he's not willing that any should perish. So whether it's perishing eternally or perishing emotionally or perishing physically or perishing maritally or in your family or perishing in any other way, financially and materially, it's not God's will. Amen. It's not His will. That, and you can't say, well, maybe for some. It is. No, no, not for any. <laughs> not for any if we accept the Scriptures. Say it one more time. It's not His will. That any, should perish. that any should perish. Let's look in 1 Timothy, the second chapter. This is how he taught us to pray for uh, our leaders uh, on every level. In 1 Timothy, the second chapter and the first verse, he said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Is it God's will that we have war and riots and tumult, or is it His will that we lead a quiet and peaceable life? See? And, and sometimes people will try to tell you, well, no, you know, that, that war is of, you know, God ordained that. And, and all those that, the protests and all that upheaval and, and those people that were killed in this and killed in that. No, no, no. When you see people being destroyed, when you see people being killed, you know the enemy is at work. He is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If God's perfect will was being done, you'd see peace. You'd see prosperity. You'd see quietness. You'd see blessing. You'd see victory. You'd see joy. You'd see peace. You know, he taught us to pray what many call the Lord's Prayer. He's taught us to pray, Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Did he teach us to pray that way? Thy will, we're talking about the will of God now, thy will be done on earth. So much revelation here. If everything that's happening is the will of God on the earth, and if the will of God is being done already through all these things, good and bad, why would we need to pray that the will of God would be done if it is already being done? And we see God doesn't have two separate wills, one for heaven, which is great and good and wonderful, and another will for the earth, which is bad. <laughs> no, he doesn't have two separate wills. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God of this world. Other scriptures reveal that the whole world lies under the power of the curse and under the power of darkness. Thank God those that have believed on the Lord have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. But if you haven't been, you still remain under the power of darkness. And so people, some people try to tell us that everything that's happening down here is the mysterious will of God. All of the natural disasters, the floods, the earthquakes, the uh, you know tornadoes and hurricanes and all the damage that they can do. People don't understand why God would send that hurricane and that storm. And, and even insurance calls them acts of God, you know. And uh, the violence that goes on. People will shake their heads and go, I don't know why. You know, those, those people died in that car wreck or that, that bus crash. Or, and, and those people shot those individuals and killed them. We don't know why God did that. Well, maybe he didn't do it, but he let it happen and he must have had a reason why. No, no, no. Think about it. God's will, Lord, we pray, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. How much crime do they have in heaven? None. What do you think? How, how much poverty? How, how many people starving to death in heaven? None. None. How many people being cruel to other people and, and destroying their lives? None. None. How many hurricanes, <laughs> tornadoes, earthquakes? None. none. In heaven? None. You know why? Because God is in control in heaven completely, and his will is being done in heaven completely, and he wants his will to be done on the earth, the same will that's in heaven. In fact, we're told if we follow him fully, we can experience days of heaven on the earth. No, everything's not going to be fixed right now until there's new heavens and new earth, but we can get a taste of heaven to go to heaven in. That sound good to anybody? Until we get there. But we must stop entertaining ideas that all of this destruction is somehow the mysterious will of God, which includes the thinking that we cannot really know the will of God. If you can't know the will of God, you cannot live by faith. You cannot have confidence. You cannot have boldness as long as we are questioning the will of God, it is impossible for us to have faith in that area, and it is impossible for us to please God in that area, and it is impossible for us to overcome in that area. 
which is where many people are. But we're not going to stay there in faith class. We, that's what faith class is all about. We are not being, letting ourselves be conformed to this wishy-washy, wavering world. We believe we can know the will of God. We can find out the will of God from His Word, number one, and from His Spirit who authored the Word, who lives in us. I, say, say it out loud, everybody. I can. I can. Know the will of God. Know the will of God. Hallelujah. If you were with us on previous lessons, we saw Ephesians 5. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Colossians 1. Be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual understanding, wisdom. And also in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God of God. Children of God can and should know the will of God. And once you know it, that is the foundation of faith. That's what gives you the confidence to pray without wavering and receive. Notice in 1 Timothy 2, let's keep reading. He said, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What's God's will? Is it His will for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth to be saved? We just, like, just like we got through reading in Peter, it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Has that happened? No, but it doesn't change His will. Just because something is God's will doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen for everybody because He has given us a free will. We can cooperate or not cooperate. Now, I know that there are some people who are, are very strong about praying every prayer with an if it be thy will. And they, they think, well, no, 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 I'm just going to pray like Jesus. And Jesus prayed with an if it be thy will. Um, that's partly true. It's partly true. They're referring to Luke 22, and we'll put this on the screen. Luke 22, 42, when Jesus was uh, in the garden before he went to the cross, he said, Father, uh, 22, 42, did I say that right? 20, Luke 22, 42, Father, he said, praying, if you be willing... Remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Some have taken this and applied it to every kind of praying. And they say, well, if Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done, what would be wrong with us praying the same thing? And why shouldn't we pray the same thing? Well, the scripture talks about different kinds of prayer. This prayer we could call a prayer of consecration, a prayer of submission, a prayer of dedication. We don't know everything about the will of God. We don't know everything, all the details of, uh, you know, everything that's involved in us walking out what He has planned for us. And there will be times when your flesh will draw back from something he's directing you to do. The scripture 
said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He's not talking about suffering being sick or broke or confused or defeated, suffering persecution. Is that what Jesus is looking at? Suffering, persecution, and of course we know there's more to it than that, but from just a natural standpoint, they were looking at shutting him up because of what he was preaching and because of what he was doing, persecution. We know it involved him becoming the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, our sacrifice for our sins. But he submitted his will to the Father's will. And we should do that also. We should be ready. Uh, at any point where our flesh is pulling back or we're hesitant uh, or we don't, you know, not sure about the, the way and what lies ahead, there's times when you should pray, Father, uh, not my will, but your will be done to denote a willingness and a submission. But I want you to notice that Jesus didn't pray that way all the time. Go with me over to another scripture, to the 11th chapter of John, John 11 and verse 40. And let's notice Jesus praying on another occasion, and you won't find, and if it be thy will, anywhere in this prayer. John eleven forty. Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. And uh, when he finally came, after Lazarus had died and was buried, verse 40, Jesus said to uh, Lazarus' sister, he said, said I not to you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? Verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, if it be thy will, <laughs> if it be thy will, let Lazarus come up, but if not, thy will be done. No, that kind of praying would be entirely wrong right here. You could have no faith if you don't know what the will of God is. He said, I only say what I hear. I only do what I see. So he's already gotten settled in his spirit that the will of God is for Lazarus to be raised up. And so he says in verse 41, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And verse 42, and I know, everybody say, I know. I know. I know that you hear me always because of the people that stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you've sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. How many understand if there had been any wavering? this would not have happened. If there'd been any question about the will of God, this would not have happened. Say it again, I can know. I can be sure. I can have faith and be strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you in faith school next time. 